Is this the dagger? Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block and the sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! It's The Outsiders, brought to you by the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. It's Podcast 56. And Robin Brownlee joins me, Bryn Griffiths. How you doing today? I'm excellent. I'm still pumped over watching the Oscars last night. Okay, let's get right into that right off the top before we start talking about anything. That is the worst, worst telecast of an Oscar broadcast I've ever seen. I just couldn't believe. And people said to me, why would you waste three hours and 15 minutes watching it? And the answer is, I haven't got a clue. I didn't even want to turn over and watch two American NHL teams play last night. But I think I think sometimes I'm fascinated by the crash and burn, and to me that just that it was just it was horrible. And the in the memoriam piece where we're supposed to salute the people of the movie industry that have passed away in the last year and a bit. I didn't even have a chance to read the names, what they did, and even take a look at their picture. They went through it so fast. And that was the point where I went, this is a total shit show tonight. Awful. Well, I would disagree with your characterization only in this. To crash and burn, you have to assume it got off the ground in the first place. Sure. And it was lame from buzzer to buzzer. Um, I get the, we, we all understand the COVID challenges. Right. You know, being an old fart, I enjoy, I, I still know it's going to be a disjointed, largely a bore fest at the best of times, but I used to, growing up, I used to like the glamour and the big stars. You could see them walking and talking and sitting at their table, uh, getting shit-faced or whatever. Uh, that's outside of where you saw them ever before. In other words, in a part in a movie uh, playing a part on TV. They were just sitting around being people. Now, and I get it that I'm older, I see a bunch of people I don't know. I see a bunch of people that I know them, but they're only famous for being famous. They've accomplished nothing in my mind in terms of the reason they're there celebrating cinematography in the movie industry. And I don't know why I watch it, but I did. And then they screwed it up with the order that they presented stuff. And, and uh, yeah, it was, you know what, though? I watched the damn thing. I know. He and, was, he, and here's the other one thing. And you just touched on two things for me. If you're not ending with the picture, the best picture of the year, you have effed this up. Like, I'm thinking, what are you guys doing? The, the, the highlight is the picture of the year. Yep. And they buried it. It's like burying the lead, I guess, to use one of the terms that you'd be very familiar with as a writer. But the other thing is, I watched hoping, and I hadn't seen any of these pictures this year. It's been, you know, for a lot of people, this past year has been a little unique. So yep. I watched last night hoping that I would see a clip or two of these movies 
that might entice me to want to watch those movies. They didn't show any clips. They hardly showed any clips at all. So all of a sudden I'm thinking, what, you know, the, the only thing that saved my evening last night was the Tootsie was on another channel afterwards. And I love Dustin Hoffman. And I think that's a great, well-written comedy. And I laughed. And I expected to laugh a few times at a few jokes or be entertained during a show that is designed to celebrate entertainment. And they failed miserably. Okay, have we, have we said enough? Do you want to close it off on anything else there? Well, I would only suggest that if they're going to keep the current format, well, they might not because I'm hoping we'll have people back for the event next year. Yeah. Uh, People listening to this, if you want to check out YouTube later, this was out on Twitter uh, last night. Best acceptance speech ever. Joe Pesci, supporting actor for Goodfellas. He walks up onto the stage, he leans into the microphone, and he says, thank you, my privilege to be here, or something like that. His complete speech, you can time it, is four seconds. He's not ungrateful, he's not scowling, he just says, thanks, my privilege, see ya. And I tell you what, with some of the stuff I heard last night, you could take a page from his book and have a better show. And and one last thing, just to wrap this up, because I don't want to take heat for this. Congratulations to everybody who won. I'm sure what you did was fabulous work, but it would have been nice if they shown a sample of it. And it would be nice if they focused more on it and not all the rest of the peripheral stuff. That would have worked for me. Anyway, joining us on the podcast today from TSN will be Brian Mudrick, who's in Dallas, Texas. Deep in the heart of Texas. Anyway, uh, and we're going to find out why Muddy is down there. He's also the play-by-play TV voice of the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, brother. Are they uh, are they going down here or what? Uh, it's amazing what's been happening in Montreal. And the other thing, uh, Brian Mudrick is one of the television voices for curling now in Canada. So we'll be chatting with Brian Mudrick. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about the Montreal Canadiens here. Uh, oh, boy. Uh Price is out. We don't know for how much longer he's going to be after taking one in the noggin from Chase on in that Edmonton game, which seemed to inflame the Habs for the 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 second game of the back-to-back with Montreal and Edmonton. But uh, the Montreal Canadiens are now in trouble. They have a four-point lead on the Calgary Flames who are coming on like gangbusters. And when you take a look at the two teams and their schedule down the run here, and we're running out of runway... Last week, we thought Calgary might have run out of runway. If they run the table tonight and win all three, it is on, baby, because that schedule is not very good for the Montreal Canadiens. Your thoughts? You know what, Bryn? My thought was, shit, have I got this wrong all the way along? When they brought in Sutter, I thought, these guys are going to come on like gangbusters. He will set things straight in that dressing room and the Flames will be on their way. Not to cup contention, but they were better than they looked. They won the first three, and I thought, yep, see, there's experience. I knew it. I called it. I called it. Then they go in the tank. Now they're coming on. Now, I wouldn't say like gangbusters. They are, I think they're five and five in their last ten. They're they're in that neighborhood. They're only okay, but the problem is is that the, uh, the interesting 
factor is the Habs have floundered at the same time. And I would love to see uh, a race there because I tell you what, uh, it would be interesting to see. Well, I, it would be interesting to have Calgary and Edmonton in the playoffs in the same year uh, anyway. But yeah, it's it's tightening up and there's there's still some runway left. And if I'm not mistaken, Bryn, let me have a look here. I think the Flames actually have, do they have a game or two in hand? I think I think uh, Montreal might have a game in hand. I don't know, but you know what? Game in hand doesn't mean much when you're playing all these other teams. The problem is, is that Calgary's done with Toronto, and I think the Habs have got Toronto two or three times, and they struggle with yep. Toronto. So yeah, Calgary's Cal, Calgary is five. Uh, Calgary is five and five in their last ten. I just looked it up. So they're going better because they were struggling big time for a while. Um, you know, Montreal's uh, w- w- without Price, they've got a problem. Um, this is going to be long term too, Bryn. Because uh, we're, you know, we know the Oilers have a couple games with the Winnipeg Jets this week, uh, tonight, and again Wednesday. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers is now out for the season. Regular season and is what they're regular saying. Regular season. Yeah. They're hoping to have him back for the playoffs. But that's a big guy. I mean, you can look at the you, the Oilers and say, well, you know, uh, Cassian's out and Jujar Kara is out. Uh, Cassian and Jujar Kara are not Nikolai Ehlers when it comes no. to producing. Uh, that's a big loss for Winnipeg. So, you know, the Oilers and Jets are nose to nose here. And, you know, it, it's interesting. We were talking last week and uh, a bit of a tangent, but I made a comment about, you know, the road to the Stanley Cup. I know I'm putting the cart before the horse. For the Edmonton Oilers, often led through Winnipeg. And what we could see uh, in a second, third situation, regardless of where either team finishes, is that Winnipeg-Edmonton matchup. Every time the Oilers won a Stanley Cup, they had to beat Winnipeg in the playoffs. And Winnipeg was the second or third best team out West for the longest time, but that didn't get them anywhere because the Oilers kept knocking them off in the first, you know, in the first round, uh, different time, different era, different teams. I get that, but it's just one of those interesting things that you go, hmm. You know, the road to the cup for the Edmonton Oilers has always led through Winnipeg, and I think that would be a hell of a matchup. We have to see what happens with Montreal, but Winnipeg and Edmonton have played some really entertaining games this year. I'll tell you what. We'll break it down a little bit further, but what we'll do is let's get to Brian Mudrick right away in Dallas, and uh, then we'll kind of break it. We'll even bring it up with Brian, but uh, we do have to remind you the Outsiders is brought to you by the McIntosh Group at Remax River City. We'll tell you more on that coming up in a little bit, but up next, it's Brian Mudrick. Okay, I know it's not exactly Dallas, Texas. It's a little north of there near Plano. But where exactly are you, Brian Mudrick? Uh, I'm in heaven, pal, because I'm about to call one of my favorite tournaments. But location-wise, just north of Dallas, straight north. I'm in uh, Frisco right now. Literally, I can see the Dallas Cowboys practice facility. So uh, the weather is great, and I'm excited for uh, an awesome tournament. 
Okay, let's talk about the under 18 event that you're at. Uh, what are you expecting out of this event? Well, it's been a crazy year back home in Canada, right? Like the WHL, they got to play uh, OHL. Sadly, they didn't even get any action. A lot of these kids went over to Europe. Uh, and the two guys I'm so excited to see is the 15-year-old Connor Bedard, who mm. is a phenomenal young talent, not draft eligible until 2023, plays in Regina in the WHL. Talked to his head coach, Dave Struess, who was the assistant coach for Canada the last time we had this tournament in Sweden. He's just a phenomenal young man. Uh, can't wait to see him play. He was fourth in WHL scoring as a 15-year-old. Uh, he played in Sweden to start with HV71. And, of course, another um, guy who's an underager is Shane Wright. And both of them. So Bedard is the first guy in history in the WHL to have uh, the exceptional status. Um, and, of course, you know, John Tavares, Connor McDavid in the OHL. And now Shane Wright plays for Kingston. Uh, same deal. Uh, this kid scored 39 goals in his rookie season as a 15 year old. So imagine these two kids for Canada, the power play should be fun to watch these guys. Uh, they both scored a goal in the preliminary game versus Sweden. Um, pardon me. That was versus Finland. They play Sweden. Uh, they'll kick off the tournament to tomorrow. Sweden, Canada, Canada hasn't won a gold medal since Connor McDavid was an underager in 2013 in Russia. Canada hasn't won a medal at all since bronze in Switzerland. So uh, I'm pretty excited. Uh, Brandon Robin, this, this should be a really good tournament and I'm excited to see these young guys play. Muddy, where does Canada stack up in your mind going in? Um, you know, that's probably a better question for my buddy Craig Button, our TSN director of scouting and pickleball. I don't know if you saw a scar. Yeah, nasty. Um, but <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, usually guys, Canada, the, the best Canadian guys are usually back home in the CHL playoffs, right? And um, so Dave Barr is the head coach this year. And it's tough, right? They they get they take the best that they got and, and do their best that they can. Uh, but sometimes the best players are still in Canada competing. But with this COVID year, um, I think Canada's got a great shot to medal. Uh, there's a lot of good teams, though. Uh, I think if you look at Bob McKenzie's list and talking to Craig Button, just the game tomorrow, our opener on TSN, uh, which is uh, Sweden-Canada, you know, you could be looking at, you know, 10, 12 first-round picks. And then, of course, the two underage kids, uh, Wright isn't draft eligible twenty. 22 and Connor Bedard 2023 so it's pretty phenomenal that a 15 year old uh, is in this tournament the one thing that a lot of people are, are inquiring is what has happened between Canada and the U.S. we just had the the world women's event in Halifax they pulled the rug on that one and obviously Halifax is really struggling right now with COVID now you're in Dallas Texas where it was really a problem before seems to be solving itself a little bit but how are we able to hold this event there and yet we cannot in Canada. I know that I'm putting you in a spot asking a question like that, but everybody's going to ask, right? Yeah, above my pay grade, Bryn. I mean, obviously, we're in totally different worlds, yeah. you know, in Canada and the United States. I mean, landing in Dallas, you know, we're doing our best to stay safe. And my goodness, I've flown domestically in Canada for the Montreal Canadiens games. And landing in Dallas was just like, whoa. Like it, like it's just different here. But I mean, there's a lot more vaccines here. People have been vaccinated. I mean, you can walk into, you know, a Walmart and get on a waiting list or there's the odd where you could get a vaccine down here, even if you're Canadian. Right. So it's just different. Like yeah. you can't you can't compare the two. It's and I'm not a medical expert. I just try to listen to those that are right. Like it's not for me to say I feel awful for those women. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about all our Olympic athletes who knows what's going to happen, you know, summer Olympics, these people, these, these men and women train their whole lives, 
you know, for their moment. And they just, I don't even know if a lot of them know what's up. Right. So above my pay grade, yeah. uh, you know what, it's been a hard world for a lot of people, Bryn. And, and when I put on that headset, whether it was in the curling bubble in Calgary, whether it's a Montreal game, whether it's going to be here, when I can put on the headset, man, and it's time to call hockey, it's the most normal I feel. And it's, it's the best part of my day. Muddy, it's above all our pay grades. Um, it's got to, I look at the situation in Tokyo. We're all sports guys. We all love to watch it. It's been the basis of our jobs for our adult lifetimes. I look at Tokyo, though, and I wonder, how do they pull this off, um, given the way, you know, we've just fumbled it one way or another, not to get into the political end of it. Numbers are getting worse in a lot of places, and one of them's Tokyo. How do you ask people to go over there and compete? I don't know, Rob, and I simply don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask, you know, athletes that would be going over there. I, I, all, I can, all I can speak to that is just my heart goes out to all the athletes, especially obviously our Canadian athletes, like they have prepared some of them their whole lives. And we all have family and friends affected differently. I have two young nephews uh, who lost their dad a couple of years ago and they love hockey. You know, the oldest Tegan loves hockey and you know, it's like everyone's kind of losing a year. Right. But we're all in it together. And it's, uh, I feel for a lot of people, man, I wish I had better answers for you, Robin. I, 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 my, I used to hate the cliche and Brad, you, you'll laugh to the sport day by day. Like oh, I yeah. literally am day by day. And I literally like seriously, cause I could only control my attitude when I get up every day. Brian, let's, let's jump to what you have been doing with the Canadians. It's been different for everybody. Your take on the North division for starters, that's been a total one-off no matter how long you've been around we haven't seen this before you're involved directly in that with the canadians um talk about the upside of it and talk about uh the parts that haven't been so great in your books because you're right in the middle of it uh the hockey has been fabulous i mean i just was back home in alberta i called the two games with the uh, oilers and the Habs. man uh that was a playoff feel and I've said it a million times, guys, uh, you know, the Bell Center with 21,000 people, there's no greater office in the NHL. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. The Habs uh, home opener, we're walking over from the hotel uh, to the Bell Center with MJ and, and Quebec has the quarantine. Uh, not only that, but they had the, um, um, you have to be in bed by a certain time. Off the the streets, curfew, right? The curfew. The curfew. Thank yeah. you. And thanks, Bryn. And yeah, the curfew. So you're walking on a, and usually, like a home opener, are you kidding? It's like thousands of people, the excitement, the energy. It was a ghost town. And then you walk out of the building after the game, and there's not even any traffic. There's nothing. So, and for all of us that have, and you guys have done it for years too, when you were on the road or on the beat, like the fun is like the lobby bar drink after, or a glass of wine, or you're talking to the guys and the women from out of town that cover their teams, and you shoot the breeze over a coffee and intermission. You guys, you, you, you do your temperature checks at the Bell Center. You got your glasses on. You got your mask. You do your thing. You scan your code. You go right to your booth. Then you take your mask off. You're in your plexiglass. You get ready. You call the game. You put your stuff back on. You go to your hotel and you order Uber Eats, man. Like there is nothing that part of it. It's, it's really, it's not fun. Like it's, it's uh, travel's not fun. Like there's no fun of it. Again, and I say it, you put the headset on, though, once you start calling the game, you try to bring your energy because, I'll, like, the fans bring it, man. Like, even if, if it's a dud game or if it's a great game, 
And it's like like the Edmonton Habs games we just had. You know, like it, the energy is amazing. And, and the game itself, you could feed off the crowd even as of what we do. And you just have to kind of generate that yourself. And these players, I don't care. I know they're paid very well. And, you know, they get to play a game for a living. But I'm telling you, that's not much of a life either, guys. Like, they're playing four games sometimes now in a week. Yeah. They are basically rink, practice, hotel, repeat. And for them, yeah, I get it. They're they're living the dream. But it's not like, I don't even call this living right now. We're sort of just slogging through it all together, aren't we? We're just sort of treading water it feels like and, and i'm not looking for sympathy guys like that's not what that's not what i mean by that i just mean you know it's it's hard it's and, different. and i haven't i haven't seen people guys like coming down here right i had to get two covid tests and sit in my hotel room because i was just scared sick that i'd get it or heaven forbid right like you wanted to do all the right things i don't want to jeopardize the tsn stuff or, or anyone on the plane like right like you feel this obligation so you sit you sit in your hotel room and you just talk to friends like doing this is great. I feel like I'm talking to two old buddies from Alberta, right? So you fill your time, you do your best. But uh, Robin, the hockey's been great. It's been awesome. I've never called a Leafs-Habs game in my life. And it was awesome to finally call that one, original six, right? Um, so it, it's been fantastic. Like from that perspective, I just uh, it's just not the same. Let's talk about the two games in Edmonton. Because the first one was about as intense playoff style as they come, and it just went the way it did. But we have the Carey Price episode that happens in that. And clearly Montreal picked up their game for the second game and used that to build off of. But that Price that price injury has really given the Habs a little bit of a different spin. All of a sudden the Calgary Flames are now right back in the thick of it. Montreal struggling a little bit. They come in with Jake Allen in the first game in Calgary. They come back with the kid in the second game. That's dangerous when you start to screw around with the goaltenders a little bit because you get up here, up in the brain. Now they've got a huge game in Calgary on Monday tonight. But how do you view what's going on with the Habs here in just the last five to ten days? It's it's been a bit of a circus, has it not? It's just the consistency, Bren. And I think that if you talk to even Claude Julien before he got let go, and now it's on Dominic Ducharme, and he's got to be feeling a ton of pressure right now because. You know, he's got the interim tag, but you'll remember Mark Bergevin came out and said, you know, he's my guy. And, uh, you know, they're under the cap, so everyone's dying to see what Cole Caulfield can do, who, by the way, was an absolute stud for two years at the tournament I'm covering. He tied Alex Ovechkin's single uh, tournament goal-scoring record with 14 in a tournament his last year, uh, and that was in Sweden, the last time we had this tournament. And Caulfield, I mean, that's the Habs need some scoring, right? And they need some help on the power play, and, and there's the kid, they're dying to see except the salary cap, the emergency call-ups they are up against it. Um, as for Carey Price, the chase on, I didn't see anything malicious originally. I mean, he was kind of coming through the crease and just caught Carey, right? And one of those plays and you feel awful uh, for Price who has, you know, history of, of that injury as well. And then, you know, Corey Perry answered the bell and, you know, they were actually, I don't know if you, in the pregame, they were chatting right at the red line. Uh, so you knew something was going to go down there no matter what. Good on Corey Perry to answer the bell, the veteran guy. So to answer your question, Bryn, I don't know. Um, I just I, I just feel they, they'll never use it as an excuse because everyone's doing it. But, man, playing four games a week, um, I'm not a former NHL player, but it's it's got to be tough talking to guys that are and former players that I admire and guys I work with who were in the league with great careers. It's just it's all of it. It's just none of it is normal. And um, they're going to have to find a way, you know, to 
you know, if they win this game tonight, though, versus Calgary, all of a sudden, I think the ship is righted again. You lose, though, Bryn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> look like, out, baby. Look out. The beautiful thing about hockey in Montreal is the level of expectation. The bar is just so high. Don't tell us about being close. Don't tell us about we coulda, woulda, shoulda. And it's pressure, but it's also a wonderful part of that city's tradition. The Habs were favored by a fair number of the pundits. In other words, guys who sit in booths like you or people who write about them like me. Um, a lot of most people had Toronto. I think a lot of people had Montreal, if not close, um, definitely in the playoffs. What has to happen from here on out to see them in the playoffs? Because you miss in Montreal, it's a bad, bad day. Well, and I think that's the pressure really looming on Dominic Ducharme, right? To find a way. Um, I think it's easy for me to say, but I think it's just a simple, they got to be more consistent, Robin. Like they have to be consistent. They got to get the power play going. They need more scoring. I mean, the defense was came out guns a blazing with Weber and Jeff Petrie was on a torrid pace to start the season. And what the coaching staff will tell you and has told me is that, well, these teams are seeing each other so many nights in a row. uh, They, they game plan you. And as, as Craig button pointed out, we'll game plan the game plan. Like, you got to find a way to adapt and adjust. They know what you're doing on the power play and penalty kill every night. So what are we going to do to try, you know, get around that? And uh, I, I just, the thing about the Habs, though, I was talking to Dave Poulin on the phone this morning, and I we, well, we both believe if they get in the playoffs, we just think that there'll be a gear that's flipped, just just the way they're built with the veteran guys. But you got to get there. You know, they're they're... We'll see, because right now everyone keeps calling this playoff hockey. We're in playoff hockey right now. And if we are, then how come the Habs aren't delivering? Uh, a healthy carry price that would go a long way, I think, in that as well. But uh, it's a million-dollar question, Robin. And if I had it, I'd be coaching the Montreal Canadiens. But I don't, I don't, want, the, I don't want the headache. <laughs> One of the things I've always believed in for any team that makes the postseason is your goaltending has to take it to the next level, obviously. Classic example here, 2006 with Dwayne Rolison. He almost single-handedly carried them to the cup final. So your goaltending's got to come up about three notches. But to me, it's not what your stars do. It's what your bottom six guys do. If the bottom six guys are able to be really sensational, they can carry you a long way. Now, all of these teams will use the top four. I'll even throw Calgary in here because they've got Markstrom, and they do have Mangiapani's having such a great year for Calgary. That's part of the problem is that until just recently, Johnny Goodrow wasn't having a very good year. They're starting to get it from their bottom six and their top six. But are you feeling the same way that those bottom six players and the goaltending will be able to get Montreal to the next level once they get in, if they get in? No, agreed. And the one guy that we need to bring up here, who is the Edmonton kid, who everything you just talked about, playoff hockey, grit, determination, getting to the dirty areas, who stands out to you? Number 11, Brendan Gallagher. Yeah. And... That is a guy who is literally the heart and soul and the heartbeat of that team. A guy that I've been impressed with who's been great all season is Josh Anderson. He seemed to he seemed to be kind of a guy with that engine. But the sad thing was when Gallagher got hurt, Deneau, Tatar, and Gallagher in that line, which has been the consistent line for the last few seasons for Montreal, they were really starting to play well. They were kind of showing signs of being that dominant line, five-on-five five, uh, chances. 
And because Gallagher gets like, he's just that guy. He's exactly what they need, the way that he plays. And there's just, yeah. you can't recreate that, right? I think that's a big loss that people aren't talking about maybe as much. Uh, Carey Price, you know, if you got Price healthy and Gallagher in the lineup, maybe we're not even having this conversation. Maybe they're trying to chase down Edmondson and Winnipeg, but stuff happens, man, and injuries are everywhere. And very quickly, Tyler Toffoli and Corey Perry, great pickups. And I, I'm a big I'm a big fan of both. And I know that that's hard for people in Edmonton to hear that I like Corey Perry. I think Corey Perry adds an element to every team he's ever played on. And uh, I, I think that they were great pickups for Montreal. Oh, I mean, it speaks for itself, right? What was the, uh, uh, someone changed on Wikipedia, Todd Artifoli, owner of the Vancouver Canucks, wink, wink, nudge, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, absolutely. He, uh, he is, a, he's a, like, he's been as advertised, right? Was he already at 24 goals already right last there. season in a shortened COVID year? So, I mean, as advertised, uh, the thing is they, they, they need other guys to score and I don't want to pick on him, but I mean, I'm not saying Jonathan Duran is going to score 20 or 30 every year, but he's got two goals. I know. Right. And, and, and it's just, I mean, I don't want to pick on one guy, but you know, there's a, like, you know, the, the Lekkonen's, the Armia's, you know, the, the Paul Byron, who's now hurt. Tar sounds like he's day to day, you know, like, but th- that, that secondary scoring is what you need. But would you want to play the Montreal Canadiens though in the first round, if they make it, their defense is nasty. You just mentioned Corey Perry in front. You got big Edmondson, you got Weber, you got Sherratt. You got these bodies, you know, who wants to, you know, stand in front of that, you know, in front of Carey Price, right? They got big boys and they, they can be, they can be, you know, they can be a nasty team to play. So we'll see. Muddy, along those lines, if the Habs get in and we, let's assume that first three spots are a scramble. T.O.'s got it now. What's the best matchup of those top three Uh for the Habs, I, I think from what I see, and I know what the records are between the teams this year, I don't think Edmonton wants any wants a piece of Montreal uh, in the playoffs. I can't imagine they do, but how do you see those three teams as first-round matchups? Well, if you're going to, and Leafs fans will hate this, but if you just want to go on history, you know, Montreal, Toronto, I mean, and to, I, I love Toronto. High-end skill. They've gotten grittier. They've gotten tougher with their additions, right? However, I go to history. Show me, show me a deep run, and they haven't. You know, the Leafs get out of the first round, win another round. You know, show me. So that's what I think. There, uh, you're right. Their, their record against Edmonton has been, you know, has been strong. Um, but again, you pick your poison, though, right? You got Connor Hellebuck who won the Vesna. You got McDavid and Drysital who have turned it on recently against Montreal. They did at the start of the season, right? Um, who do you, I mean, it, it'll be awesome, Robin. It'll be awesome, whoever, but to answer your question, yeah, I, I lean towards Edmonton and maybe Toronto, maybe just because I love, I'm a, like, I just love the original six vibe, right? I think it'd be awesome. When we chatted with Darren Drager last, we we, we kind of threw it out just for laughs, but we, we pointed this out, and I'm going to mention it to you now because you're in Dallas. Are you aware that there are American teams playing against each other in the NHL this season? Well, I am. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Because uh, when we switch over, when we'll be in Frisco, uh, Plano's where Canada's playing is preliminary, but in Frisco, it's in the Dallas Stars uh, practice facility. And uh, uh, Porzingis, who's of Latvian descent and a star in Dallas, actually walked over and gave the Latvian boys a picture and a thumbs up uh, for the Latvian U18 team. I thought that was pretty cool. 
Um, you know, he's a big star back home in Latvia, obviously in the NBA. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's your job, right? I mean, Kale McCarr is a kid that I love to watch and, and is like a point per game player out of the AJHL, baby. Fourth overall. There you go. Bandits. So, yeah, like it, it's fun to, you know, and, and that's why I love the U18s, guys, because you meet these kids, you get to watch them from their start. And then I'll never forget Matthew Barzell. I saw him in Zug. 2015 that was a superstar tournament with with Matthews and Aho and Line A and and, and it was uh, uh he sure was an underager for Switzerland that year and you know he wins rookie of the year like you know and you you just fall you get to know these these kids and watch them and it's just great to see where they go and how they do right hey before we let you go coming up in, on our next segment we're going to play the Craig McTavish press conference from Switzerland have you seen that I was in I was there with him and we interviewed him and they were apparently running around at 3 a.m. in their like pajamas when they found out the ball dropped and they were going to get McDavid. So I, I remember the excitement, but I don't know if I know the specific interview you're talking. Well, about. he was just interviewed by one of the local reporters in uh, Switzerland after a playoff uh, disaster. And he kind of turned on the reporter. If you get a chance to, to tune it in, we're going to play the audio I coming will. up here in a little bit because I know you will love it and you will laugh because you were around here long enough to see how Mac T works. And, uh, it's just, it's good stuff if you get a chance to do it. Hey, and very quickly before you go, the curling bubble, for the most part, seemed to work quite well. You were in Calgary for how many weeks? Uh, 41 days. Oh. Wow. That's incredible. I how, rocked out. How did it go, how did, <laughs> I rocked out hard. How did it go for you, though, overall? When the headset was on, best job in the world, my friend. Yeah, okay. Um, no, it was good. I just, I'm so grateful to everyone who pulled that off because... I just read today that on the women's worlds and I just hope they get it pulled off, but a couple positive COVID tests, but that's why they do it. Right. That's why you quarantine. That's why there's the screening. That's why it's all in place. So let's just hope because Carrie Anderson, right. Back to back Scott, he's yet to represent Canada. So let's, uh, we wish those ladies uh, all the best, such a great group of gals. So yeah, go Canada. Uh, I'll be watching from afar. We're good. We got to let you go because you got work to do there, and uh, you've got all you guys have got all the Team Canada games. Or how many are you doing in this whole thing? Yeah, yeah. Every we're going to do the four Team Canada games. We're calling a one additional Sweden uh, Latvia game, and then we call uh, two quarterfinals, the semifinals, the bronze, and the gold games. So we're I'm so excited, guys. Uh, this it's one of my favorite tournaments of the year. I'm not just saying that. Like it's just so great to see these youngsters and they're they haven't played some of them in a long time some of them went to europe to try get some action in um but like i'm i'm pumped up well it'll be fun uh i know you can't go through the usual hijinks in dallas because there are a few good spots in dallas uh, if you've ever been there but uh have fun uh stay safe and uh hopefully uh, as the weather warms up and we ease into May and June, uh, we start to approach something uh, uh, that we used to call normal again. That would be a lot of fun, too. Thumbs up to that, Robin. I can't wait. Hey, thanks, buddy. It's great to see you once again. And uh, we'll talk great again to see soon. You guys. Thanks for thanks finding for the time today. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, of course. For you guys, anytime.
So there you go. Brian Mudrick from TSN joining us on the big podcast today. Uh, Let's just, uh, let's touch on a few things first. One, I think we've pretty much talked about Montreal. We've talked enough about Calgary and how exciting they're going to make it down the stretch. Let's now talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Dmitry Kulikov will join the team in the lineup against Winnipeg tonight, which is Monday night. Ryan McLeod is also going to draw in, which is interesting. And we have two Oilers-Jets games in the peg, Monday and Wednesday. And then the Oilers are back home to take on the Flames on Thursday and Saturday. The Edmonton Oilers, if they go on a good run, can clinch a playoff spot by the weekend, Robin. Well, I tell you what, the the one thing I worry about uh, with the Oilers, uh, well, there's a couple now. Uh, I don't know if you saw Mike Smith left practice early uh, this week hobbled down the hallway uh, and then coach Dave Tippett declared he's fine. It's all good. He just tweaked something. The next day Smith left practice early, uh, wasn't notably or noticeably hobbled from what I saw on any of the footage, but what did he tweak? Um, that makes me nervous. Mike Smith needs to be 100% and ready to go for the Oilers to have any success for the rest of the season. I don't have nearly as much faith in Miko Koskinen, although, you know what? He's been much better since Smith came back uh, from being injured early in the year when Koskinen had to make like a dozen starts and got overworked. But Mike Smith is the guy going in as long as he can be the guy. Uh, the other thing I want to uh, that makes me nervous from an Oiler point of view is no Cassian and no Jujar Kara. Uh, we've talked about playoff hockey. Playoff hockey is tougher hockey. It's more physical hockey. We saw that with Montreal. Um, I believe teams can play team tough. I don't think you need a big, tough guy. Uh, Kara doesn't rate as that, and, and neither does Cassian in the old sense of the word. Right. Skate, skate off the bench, beat the shit out of somebody, and even things up or send a message. But they're both big physical players. And while the Oilers can compete and get their battle level higher, if you're playing a team with the same battle level and they're bigger the big guy wins. And Your deeper, guys, and, and deeper, Robin, right? The, that yeah. bottom six has got to come through for you in the postseason. I mean, Josh Archibald, I watched that little guy play. God love him. He's, he's a, he doesn't back down from anybody. He's not a big player. Kyler Yamamoto, they call him the honey badger. He doesn't back away. He doesn't so much run over people, but he sticks his nose in there. But let's be honest, when you're talking a playoff stretch drive and then playoffs, Little asking little guys to play like that night in and night out is a is a big ask. And the Oilers are a little light when it comes to big physical players right now. And that would be my concern for them, along with Mike Smith's health. Before we go, and I'm losing power on you here uh, on uh, on my Zoom chat with you. I want to get this in fast. Craig McTavish, and we brought this up with uh, Brian Mudrick a couple seconds ago. Craig McTavish got a little defensive in a post-game press conference with a reporter. I'm going to play it for everybody here. You can hear Mac T's mood change. 
And Robin, I'm going to ask you if the reporter was asking questions the right way, because I don't think he was, but here, here it is, okay? Greg McTavish, uh, before the game, you said today you need the best hockey, the best, uh, the best offensive uh, hockey from your team. Why was, was that lacking today? Yeah, we just didn't have it today. We started off, I thought, uh, decently. And uh, then, then we, uh, I don't know whether we got tight. We didn't look like we were comfortable playing in a close game and took some chances and uh, they capitalized. Uh, I mean, I give them a lot of credit. They played, uh, they played uh, very, very well structurally and didn't give us much. If we talk, uh, like, uh, if we look at the whole series, why, why was Saturday so much better over the series? Why was why? Why was uh, Zurich so much better over the whole series? Oh, I thought it was uh, a close series. We we. Uh, but you had three games with zero goals. Yeah, well, yeah. I I know that, but we did win two games, yeah. and they were yeah. pretty close, and it was six games, yeah. and. You want to pile it on, try and pile it on now, yeah. I guess. But No, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, disappointing when you lose. Yeah. Always appreciate guys like you who can po- point out all the shortcomings at this uh, stage of the, uh, when the series is over. So appreciate that. No, I want to be respectful. So I'm asking you, uh, yeah. I think to see uh, Lawson did a really good season. I thought uh, going into the series, that's going to be a tight series. Uh, from my sense of view, it wasn't that tight in the end. Yeah, well, okay, well, I, maybe I should be asking you the questions. All right, uh, let's do a, a last question. If we look into the future for next season, did you talk uh, uh, with Peter about your future? Hey, we just lost the game. We'll figure that all out in the next uh, week or month. All right, thank you very much. Good all right, you took your time. <laughs> All right, so there's Craig McTavish getting very, very defensive towards the end. One, I hate it when reporters state, uh, their opinion before they ask a question. This guy did that on every question. The other thing, too, is that the moment Max says, well, maybe I should be asking you the questions, I, as a reporter, would probably pull back a little bit. This guy, to his credit or not, suggests that, uh, you know, have you talked to the owner, I'm assuming, about your future with the club? And I'm thinking, wow, that was just an absolute shit show of an, an interview right there. But I, I, I found it quite entertaining. You know what? Uh, I've walked in those shoes, Bryn. You're looking for something. You're doing a, a piece. Obviously, this after uh, a disappointing loss is, uh, you know, you're trying to get as much as, as you can. If you can read MACT, and this obviously this guy can't didn't have a read on him. Over the course of several years, it didn't take me long to figure it out. I called it the other day when I first saw it. The, uh, you know, MACT is the master of the slow burn. You won't see him freak out on anybody. You can go through all his interviews. You know, he gave a friend of ours, uh, you know, Ryan Rashog, a little shot when he didn't like uh, his questions in a hallway. I think it was in uh, Minnesota. You know, that line that now serves as part of his intro on, on the when he does radio spots, is that your mandate? Like he thought... Ryan was looking for something negative. Hey, Mac T's as competitive as they get. We used to think about Kevin Lowe like that. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's certainly true. But Mac T, a little further under the surface, is the same. And I could see him getting wound up there. This guy obviously couldn't. So he kept pushing. It's his job to ask questions. The last one about the future within minutes of a 
very disappointing end of uh, a game and a season, I believe, is probably not the time to ask it. But, hey, he gave it a shot and he got what he got. There's no garbage bag day. Like, I wouldn't even ask that until after a garbage bag day, let alone after a tough loss. I just thought it, I just thought it was quite entertaining. And we've seen that show before. Yep. And uh, to me, it's always entertaining to watch. But uh, I was told at a very early age, my opinion in the question is not important. Just ask mm-hmm. the question. And you know who taught me that? Cam Cole. There you go. Cam Cole was the guy who said, Bryn, just ask the question. And it's hard to do. Okay, so that's enough about Craig McTavish. Can we talk about one thing quick that I've been thinking a lot about in the last seven days? Sure. The Canadian Football League now say they're going to have a schedule, and they have one, and they say that they would like to start playing by the end of July, early August. Are you buying this? Well, I don't know if I'm buying it, Bryn. I think the proposed start is August 5th, 14 games, Grey Cup, December 12th in Hamilton. Beautiful. You know what? That That's a problematic timeline for a lot of reasons. You really want to hold Grey Cup week within a couple of weeks of Christmas in, in a city. I, I'm not sure that it gets the full attention of people there. Um, you know what? To me, it's better than nothing. I'm a fan of the league. Yeah. Uh, but... It's not optimal, but what is? I guess I look at that. Uh, 14 games is, to me, enough to call it a season. It's fine if the NHL can play 56 out of 82. Uh, you know, 14 is good for the CFL. The dates, though, I, I I don't get the dates. But I was complaining in the last podcast, Bryn, just give us something. It was literally hours or a day before they finally came out with their plan let's hear the plan so not going to crap on them now for coming out with the plan but let's see if they can make it work that's the big question at least now there's something out there how does it work yeah i'll be supportive to a a point i guess the one thing i talk is that they say they will need significant numbers of fans in the seats but they really didn't say what significant means but i'm guessing it'll be 50 percent of capacity or something like that, just like stores are to go into. I don't know. But one thing's for sure, if they've got a schedule, yeah, let's take a look at it. I'm a little leery because I don't necessarily like where this COVID thing is gone or how long it's been dragged out. And I think our summer is going to be a bit of a disaster area anyway. And uh, well, we'll see. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. And the other thing too, people have said, is the XFL backing them? I'm not convinced about that either. I think there's a little too much of that going on right now, but let's wait and see, see where it plays out. Okay, we're pretty much done for the day today, aren't we? That was that was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, it was good. I'd, I'd, I'd uh, I wouldn't mind being down in uh, in Texas again uh, for a little hockey, but uh, that's not the way it is. So um, I hope uh, Muddy has a good time down there. Like he said, Bryn, several times, and you you heard it, when the headset's on, when you're doing yeah. what you do, you get out of all the other BS that everybody's dealing with, and you do your job. So hope he has fun with it, and it was great talking to him. Anytime we can get a kid from Boyle on, from beautiful yep. Boyle, Alberta. I've been up there numerous times near Long Lake in that area. It's, uh, it's beautiful up there. 
It's great to have him on the show today. Hey, our podcast, The Outsiders, is brought to you by the Macintosh Group. Right now is a great time to sell or buy your home in the metro Edmonton area. Interest rates are low, but I'm starting to hear rumbles that the Bank of Canada is going to be wondering how much longer they're going to be able to keep these interest rates low. So if you are considering selling or even looking to buy a new home, then give Brent and the group at the Macintosh Group at REMAX River City a call. They'd be happy to help, and it's pretty simple to find them too. 780-464-0075. That's 464-0075. Or check them out online at macintoshgroup.ca. Get the process going right now before things get a little too crazy and you watch those interest rates go up. Now is a fantastic time to get in on the market. So uh, that's for both buyers and sellers. So give Brent or any of his team a call right there. The other thing got to mention too, is that you can now reach us. It's real simple. All you have to do is check us out. Our email address, by the way, and we're getting more emails all the time now. I love it. It is theoutsiders at shaw.ca. You can also check us out on Twitter. The handle simple at outsiders 2020 and make sure you tell your friends to to follow us or subscribe, our RSS feed is there. Some people don't have a clue what that is, Robin, the RSS feed. And what it is, it's basically a gateway to our podcast. If you link on that, every time we have a new podcast that drops every Monday, and sometimes sometimes it's a Tuesday, then you will be notified immediately through your various Ear Candy site that, hey, the boys have just dropped a new podcast. Let's listen to it. So the best way is just to, to follow us and get in on that RSS feed. And we're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast, et cetera. And we're also now on YouTube. In fact, most of our questions are coming to us now on YouTube. And they're suggestions for people that they would love to see on the podcast, or here on the podcast, rather. So uh, their support is greatly appreciated. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Hey, listen, have yourself a great week. This is going to be a fun week to watch stuff. Now, yes. if somebody's dropping this podcast and they're listening to it in July, it may not be as interesting because this was very uh, date-specific, this particular one, but I think it's going to be fun for hockey fans from coast to coast in Canada to watch exactly what's going on. And the other thing, too, we didn't talk about the Vancouver Canucks, who are still hanging in. They're only be- Well, you know, full marks to them because they're playing hard after sitting with COVID for 23 days where they were inactive, and they're still making life a little miserable as are the Ottawa Senators, but uh, Vancouver Canucks aren't done yet. But it's uh, it's looking a little bleak. But good on them for uh, for trying hard. So there's lots of stuff to talk about from coast to coast in Canada. Robin, thanks. We'll talk to you next week. Friends. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, see you later. Yes. Okay. All right. I wanted you to get the last word in. I did. I, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Storm in the castle. <laughs>